Airbnb is potentially a lucrative opportunity for condo investors, but is it right for you? We'll talk to somebody who has firsthand experience as an Airbnb landlord on today's episode. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Lillian Hanna. Lillian is a realtor, real estate agent with Century 21. Lillian, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Andrew. Yeah, it's great. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you got started in real estate, that sort of thing. All right. Yeah, so um, I actually have been in real estate for the past five years, and um, over the over the years, I've been able to work with a lot of buyers and sellers, and um, actually, a big portion of my business has been in the downtown core, um, working with buyers and sellers, uh, purchasing pre-construction condos, resale condos, and also selling them. Um, I also have um, experience with managing and hosting uh, vacation rentals, which is uh, why I'm here today. Um, and uh, I actually now share uh, my experiences with my buyers on if they want to be renting their places out on a short-term basis. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a great segue there. We obviously want to talk to you, and that's why we were having a conversation the other day um, about uh, different things, and it came up that you are an Airbnb landlord yourself in a downtown condo. So it's a big question I get from a lot of investors is the Airbnb model. Is it something they should be doing or not? What buildings allow it or not? I thought, you know what? Uh, why not get somebody in who actually has real firsthand experience themselves uh, with Airbnb um, in their own condo downtown and and get your take on it and your just hear your story about how it's worked for you pros and cons and that sort of a thing so first of all maybe just to lay the groundwork there you know everybody probably knows what airbnb is but just in case there's somebody out there listening who doesn't know what airbnb is could you just tell us what is airbnb for sure i can yeah so airbnb um is is really one of many other companies that offer um, uh, a service, basically it's an app application uh, and a website as well that um, users, guests that come throughout um, throughout the year to visit Toronto or any other country for that matter. Um, and and they're, if they're looking for an alternative to a hotel who might, you know, might be quite more expensive than, uh, than these Airbnb uh, suites, they, they, they go into these sites, they look on, um, you know, let's say they have a conference or some sort of event that they're, uh, that they're taking a part of in the downtown core. And so they look on these websites and they, they check to see availability. Um, just like a hotel website, really, uh, they can just check the, the availability, they can see the reviews of these particular units, um, and they can see the amenities and they can see uh, parking if it's available. Um, and all that, and they can see pictures, and from there they can actually go ahead and reserve a unit. Um, they're usually more for shorter term stays, but really and truly the uh, actual host, so myself, I, I host an Airbnb downtown. Um, I, I actually set my rules as well. I'll, I'll post my own pictures. I'll set my own profile. I will um, let people know about my what's great about my place and why they should stay in my place. Um, and really, um, other guests can actually see the reviews that I have on my unit, 
um, to see other guests, like how did they enjoy staying with me. So definitely reviews are extremely important. Uh, so yeah, usually you'll see, you'll find that um, users are more staying for for a weekend, a few days, um, a month. Some people, you know, stay for four months in one Airbnb. It just depends. But as the host, you can actually set the parameters. You can set the minimum uh, time. So, for example, for me, I I did not want um, guests staying for a, a one night stay. So, for example, for me, I, I actually put, set my minimum as for three nights actually. So. If somebody was trying to book for one night, their system would not allow them uh, for my particular unit. But, um, yeah, you, you have different uh, durations for sure. And um, what's great is, is the, the whole idea behind it, uh, really, Airbnb is trying to uh, allow owners of, of units. So it's not necessarily just condos, but also homes. They want to create some sort of extra income. Uh, for the owners in case they're away on vacation or they they just don't need uh, all their space. Let's say they wanted to just rent out uh, one room or, um, you know, if or in case of the house, in the case of the house, it's, um, you know, m- maybe they don't need the basement, so they'll rent out the basement and make, I don't know, uh, $50, $60 uh, a night. So it is, it is nice for um, individuals who do not particularly need their whole space um, they can actually share their living space with somebody else and make some extra money. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. It's a great summary and a great, um, uh, you know, overview of what Airbnb is and what it does. It's it's allowed uh, property owners access to sort of this short term rental market that otherwise was very fragmented and you know there it existed before on Kijiji and other sites and Craigslist and things and other models that came before Airbnb, but Airbnb has really become the the biggest player in in the world for this market, and and obviously the appeal for the condo investor in Toronto is the idea that if you put your property on Airbnb, the the idea is you could potentially get a lot more rental income renting it out by the night than you could by the month. So tell us about your experience. You told us a little bit there. You, you prefer, you know, you, you don't want to just do night by night. You have minimum night stays. So tell us about your experience. Um, where is your condo? Like, I don't know if you can tell us about the exact building itself or not, but, um, what, you know, when did you buy your condo and how did you get started in Airbnb and, and, um, how has it been for you? Sure. So, um, for me, actually, I, I had purchased my property as an investment uh, unit, and uh, I think this was actually a couple years ago now. And um, at the same time, I was working with a few other um, investors who were purchasing condos um, kind of all over the city, and um, I was, I was kind of like walking through the process with them of uh, just kind of deciding, okay, which, which kind of, which investment strategies do they want to go with? Do they want to... Uh, go with the fully uh, furnished units that they do list on Airbnb or other platforms. Um, even they can even list them. It doesn't necessarily have to be Airbnb. It could be Craigslist or or Kijiji or whatnot. But some some chose to do um, fully furnished um, with the hopes of actually making more money, and others um, just decided, you know what, we're not really interested in furnishing. I do not have the extra cash to actually furnish the unit. Let me. Uh, just leave it unfurnished, and we would work out the numbers 
um, I would let them know what to expect if it's unfurnished and, and what is what's expected if it is actually furnished. And um, so I, as I was going through that process with a few of my clients, um, they some of them actually decided to go with Airbnb. And I kind of I, I really worked with them closely and I and I kind of watched what they were doing and, and giving my input on on you know different uh, companies that can come in. Um, to, to, for example, I have a company that I use to, um, for Murphy beds. They, they come in, they actually custom make Murphy beds for, for smaller units, right, to actually have um, more uh, space in their actual unit. So I would recommend some of the, the, serv- the service providers that I worked with in the past. And I, I saw these units come together, and then I saw that they were doing very, very well um, in terms of the short-term phase. Um, so I said, you know what, why not give it a shot for myself and, and see how, how it goes. So um, I actually only had about five days to furnish the actual unit, which um, was, was very interesting. So you mean you had five, sorry, you mean you had, you bought the unit, you closed on it, and then five days later you had your first Airbnb person coming in? So actually what happened was I had purchased the unit in March. And then I actually closed in May. So I said, you know what, I really don't want any sort of downtime. So what I did was I actually created an Airbnb account. I um, uploaded some pictures. And um, then uh, what happened was I actually was fully booked. By the time I actually received the keys, you know, so by May, um, I actually was pretty much at 100% occupancy from May to September. So wow. I had like pretty much zero um, downtime at all. Uh, In the first few months, that's great. Hit, yeah, I just hit the ground running with that. So. And this was, uh, this was when? This was like last, this was, you bought it two years ago, you said, about two years ago? Yeah. So 2015? Exactly, yeah. Okay, and, this, and uh, th- this is a condo in the entertainment district, we'll, we'll say. Is that right. accurate? Entertainment. It's an entertainment district. I won't really say exactly which one it is. If you if you want to know the particular building, I can definitely let you know. Um, but uh, definitely the location is is a very very um, great location. It's an entertainment district. So as you can imagine, the demand is extremely high because uh, you do have I have the Rogers Center and the Metro Toronto Convention Center really close by. So I find I have a lot of guests. I actually just got a request this morning um, for somebody coming from the Philippines, and they have a rotary convention uh, that they're going to be attending in January, and they'd like to book uh, my place for uh, I think it was like seven seven days or something or something like that. But um, anyways, they they pretty much just state why they're interested in in coming to the city and. Um, you know, who's going to be staying in there. And then it's up to me to actually accept. Approve them. Okay. So you have the, so you can, you can, I believe there's different ways you can do it, right? You can, in Airbnb, you can actually set it up so people can automatically book without your approval, or you've obviously taken the step to only allow people to book with your approval. So they have to, I guess they give you a little bit of a, a profile or they fill out a form or something to tell you about themselves and, I imagine you can see their profile and ratings and so on. Yeah, so I can um, definitely. I, I 
I don't have that option for sure to automatically approve guests because that's just um, asking to to really um, you, you'll you'll run into some issues if you have the wrong people in there. Um, so I really I tend to ask them why they're there, um, how obviously how long they're going to be there, um, just to get to know them a little bit. And of course, um, their reviews are very very important. So um, actually, one time I uh, somebody said, "Oh, they they were actually coming from um, Texas, I believe," and um, they said, "Oh, well, well we're going to be actually driving down from Texas, and there's a tattoo uh, convention at the conven- at the Metrotronic Convention Center, and your your unit is really close to there, so we're actually interested." I actually didn't even believe that there was a tattoo convention, so I actually looked it up before I um, before I actually did them. I'm like. I, I don't know. I've never heard of this before. Let me just check it out. So I did. There's all sorts of conventions downtown that you wouldn't even know exist. But, um, yeah, it's it's good. Like, location is extremely important. And I definitely think that I have uh, that as a bonus. Uh, for yeah. And- yeah. So being in the entertainment. Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of, sorry to cut you off here, but uh, just in terms of um, location gone on that point, uh, there's obviously many great locations downtown, but not all buildings will allow Airbnb. Um, so how does it how does it work in your building? How do you if you're talking to the condo investor out there thinking about doing this, uh, what is your advice in terms of the buildings to potentially buy in to do an Airbnb versus buildings to avoid? Yeah, so actually, uh, many owners, many condo owners are under the impression that uh, they can rent out their place for any duration of time. Um, what they may not know, actually, is that each building has their own set uh, of rules when it comes to the minimum rental period. So, for example, uh, one condo, uh, and, and again, every condo is completely different when it comes to this. One of them can have a minimum rental period of one month. So, uh, for example, if they list their place on um, Airbnb, then they have to put that as one of the rules on their profile that nobody could be um, actually requesting a um, uh, reservation for one one week or one night or anything less than one month, right? So you do have to know uh, the rules and regulations behind um, your condo corporation and what. So for for example, for mine, um, they do actually allow for transient rentals. Um, they actually, my building, they have their own set of um, suites that they rent out on a short-term basis as well. So um, that's kind of what attracted me to, to this particular building. But um, yeah, they pretty much um, you have to you have to know what your your rules are for the building because you certainly don't want to. Yeah, you certainly don't want to buy into a building thinking you're going to Airbnb it, and then you find out that they have a strict. Uh, 12 month rental or longer policy, right? So it's very important to do your homework on that. Definitely, and definitely consult with your real estate agent as well, because uh, ultimately, um, it's not going to really. If you're, let's say, looking at a listing, a condo listing for resale, you're not going to. It's not going to just be on that listing. It's not going to indicate that it's a transient or it, it allows short term. It's not going to actually list that on the listing. Um, you would actually have to speak to the building management. Um, so that's how it works. So, from, for example, for my building, 
management, what they have set out is that, yes, you could rent it out for transient rentals, uh, short-term rentals, but they, the management does need to know in writing as to who is actually staying in the unit at all times, um, and that we actually, as owners, need to communicate with the guests what, what the rules of the buildings and the bylaws and all that of the building um, so that they, they are fully aware so that they do not interrupt the enjoyment of the of other unit owners who are actually living there. Um, we don't want to disrupt them. So we do definitely have an obligation as owners to make sure that they know that your guests actually um, who are actually staying in your unit are actually going to follow the rules or else you're going to get into some serious issues. And I actually um, know of a host that ran into a really interesting situation that I had never heard of before, but I'll share it with you. So um, this investor um, was, was managing, I think, a couple units um, in different buildings. And this particular investor, um, he didn't really have any uh, any rules when it comes to booking the, the, the units. And there was a group of, friend that, group of friends that stayed in his place over the weekend, and they got a little bit too rowdy, and um, they actually created a huge mess in the, in the lobby. And um, the $1,000 carpet was completely ruined in the lobby. So as you can imagine, the, the owner got a very nasty phone call from management saying that he's violated the, the condo regulations and that um, really the, the minimum stay for his particular building was one year. So long story short, uh, the buyer had to pay uh, $1,000 for damages, and then he was actually sued by $1,000. So he he actually, and if he did not pay that $5,000, which he did, they would have actually registered a lien on his property, which is quite costly, of course. So, yeah, yeah. So certainly uh, one of the risks, as you said, I mean, getting into doing Airbnbs in a building that doesn't officially allow it. So that, that certainly goes to understanding the building, understanding the management, understanding the policies before you even think about doing it and understanding the risks that, you know, some people will will still do Airbnbs in buildings that don't allow it and they'll take on that risk themselves, which can be, as you said, quite dangerous if, if tenants come in and do something like that. Um, let's get, let's get into the numbers if you don't mind. So let's talk about, uh, occupancy rates. So in your experience doing it for a couple of years, um, what has been your occupancy rate? Like what percentage of the time is it actually rented out? And then talk to us about revenue. So like, uh, how much money do you make renting it out on an Airbnb basis versus tell us how much would that same unit rent out? Or if you just rented it on a 12-month unfurnished standard rental basis? Yeah, so um, I think it all comes down to uh, the vacancy rate. So you definitely um, can get a stronger return um, on the short-term rentals, but you also have to make sure that you're you're following the system to make sure that your uh, vacancies are quite low. Um, because, for example, if you're getting uh, $100 a night on Airbnb, but then you're averaging, let's say, 15 reservations for the month, then you're probably better off renting it out unfurnished for, for one year. So you definitely have to have some sort of system in place to make sure that you have you maintain your low vacancies. And how I do that is I I was doing it kind of, um, I was testing a few different different methods, but 
um, in terms of what's been working for me right now is that I actually allow Airbnb's system to automatically um, set the, the, the price per night based on the availability and demand in the area. So um, I've, I've pretty much had pretty much 100% occupancy, which is, I know it sounds a little bit like it sounds too good to be true, but really and truly I've, I've had that for, for the past couple of years. Um, because I, I, I'm letting the system kind of do the work for me. I'm letting, if, if one night uh, I have to go down to, let's say, $90 a night, but then a, another night it's, it's bumping it up to $250 a night. Um, I know that it's charging me $250 or, or charging the guests $250 because there's low inventory and there's some sort of major event happening in the city, such as tips. So, um, yes, definitely, you do have to follow a system. Um, it doesn't. So what do the so what do the numbers actually look like for you? Like, let's your unit. It's a is a one bedroom unit. It's a one plus den. Uh, it's a one plus den, six hundred square feet, entertainment district. If you were renting that out for the past couple of years on uh, just a twelve month rental, what would that average for the past couple of years per month be? So uh, I think on average, it would be about $2,000. I do not have a parking spot, so that, that's kind of a going right there. Um, and so that would be for the unfurnished. However... About 2000 okay. Yeah. And then for um, the Airbnb model that I'm doing, I can, I can get between um, uh, $3,000 to $4,000 or $4,500 per month. Um, wow. Definitely the highest... I. I um, month that I get, revenue I get is uh, in the summer. I'll definitely get the highest um, there. But uh, definitely because I've had close to 100% occupancy the whole time, it has definitely been better for me um, to, to actually rent it out as a furnished unit that, rather than an unfurnished unit. I've been able right. to actually cash flow uh, everything. Big time. Yeah. So what? What's what? Do you recall off? What was your top month ever in in the past couple of years in terms of revenue? You said was it like forty five hundred? Yeah, I would say about forty five hundred. Um, wow. Yeah, that. But keep in mind, well, keep in mind as well. Sorry to cut you off. Um, the summer months are great in the city because obviously our we have lots of events happening and uh, the weather is great. However. When you start getting into October, November, and right through to, to March, April, uh, it is slower. The, the, the requests definitely um, slow down quite a bit. So what would be the slow months? What's the revenue in the slowest month? What's the lowest revenue you've had? Yeah, so I, I, would, probably, um, I would probably get around, um, let's say, I'd probably get half of what I would usually get in, in, um, in the summer months. So it's still not too bad, um, but I, I, can't, I can't guarantee that every month in the summer is going to be occupied. That, that's right. the main issue here. So what I actually do um, during those slow months, so for example, last year what I did from, uh, it was November to April, I actually rented it out to just to one person. So what I did was I, I still rented it out through Airbnb, which is great. It was a great tool. Um, but I, I actually put the minimum of, of those months. 
So, so really nobody was allowed to, to be booking um, for, for, let's say, one month or one week. It was only that particular period of time that they can book. So luckily, I actually had somebody that was coming from Turkey, and they, they came and they were studying English for that time. So, um, you know, they, they actually ended up taking up those whole, all of those ones, and I got, um, I got higher than I would have gotten if I just kept, you know, half the month empty, for example. So it, was, it, it worked out really well for me, and I, I really avoided the... Um, the downtimes, yeah, you're able to just rent it out for the whole winter at a lower rate. So the other big question that people always ask is, you know, in terms of debating whether they should go Airbnb or not, um, assuming they're in a building where they've researched it and it's okay, the other big question is going to be, how much work is it? How much effort and time required? How much management is going on? You got people coming and going all the time. Um, what's been your experience with that? Is it is it a lot more work than just a regular straight uh, unfurnished rental? And and is it worth the work in your opinion? Yeah, I definitely would say that it's a lot more work than uh, just putting putting it on the market for uh, one year. For example, um, because like you, you're actually having to, you're hosting people, whether you're actually living in the unit or not living. For me, I'm, I'm not actually living in the unit with the guests. I, I give them the whole place. But uh, that actually might be even a little bit more work than if I was actually living in there and just renting out a room or a, a whatever the case is. So um, it, it is a lot of work because you actually have to. Um, you have to set up, you have to make sure they have bedding, you have to make sure they have towels, you have to make sure um, there's, you know, do you have to let them know about the Wi-Fi, you have to, you have to um, actually get Wi-Fi, get cable, um, and you have to make sure that the unit is fully equipped for people to be very comfortable in your unit, because ultimately, that's going to affect your ratings, and um, it's going to, it's going to get people to, to either never come back again, or, or come, come again. So um, it's, it is a lot of work, um, and you do have to be kind of ready to to uh, think on the fly. So if if a you if, sorry if a guest messages you and says, hey, like, and this actually happened to me um, at the beginning of when I first started, uh, I didn't have a system in place. I didn't really have a cleaning uh, provider that I was very comfortable with. Um, but anyways, I had a guest go in there and upon their arrival they found that the towels were, were not dry. Um so they kind of they kind of said, well that that's not that's not really nice. Like why did you do that? Like you should we should have clean towels. They thought it was actually used towels because they were a little bit damp. But uh, the the problem was I did not uh, I didn't even I wasn't didn't go into the unit before they actually arrived. I left the keys for them at the concierge. So I didn't know that the towel was damp. So they they came in and they noticed that. So they actually um, messaged me that. So I thought, you know what? Um, there must have been something that had happened with the, the cleaning uh, provider because they, it looked, obviously, the place was very clean. They, they had cleaned the unit. But uh, I guess the, the cleaning, cleaning um, service provider didn't uh, wait until the, the towels were completely dry. So, I mean, I thought that was a, a given to to – Make sure that towels are dry before you hang them. However, uh, you do have to be very specific. You have to you have to set systems in place 
for even your cleaning providers, you have to give them a checklist. So that was kind of a, some of my growing pains. I actually, I, it was funny enough because I was actually on my way to the area. I was, I was actually going out on, on a, on a Thursday night. And, um, so I, I actually ended up going to winter and picking up some, some towels and taking it to them. I mean, talk about service, right? Um, so they, they actually really, really appreciated it. And, um, that was kind of, that situation was yeah so that's so that's one of the examples like you said of as you're learning and and you're setting up your systems uh and getting your cleaning person coming in 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 between each showing making sure they understand like you said i know you told me before you have this extensive checklist that the cleaning lady goes through do all of these things every single time in between guests and now you've got it kind of working like clockwork after working out some of those kinks were there any other mistakes, like think of the early days or what other mistakes or was there an, another story of a mistake that you learned from um, in the early days uh, when you were starting the Airbnb? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, of course, in the beginning, you're, this is all so new and, and it's, it's normal to kind of have these mistakes. Um, and, and I ran into a couple of them myself. Um, and like, well, this wasn't really my my mistake, but the building did not turn on the uh, the heat. Um, like at the, I guess they they had been waiting like a couple weeks before they had turned the heat on, and it was kind of cool. So uh, my guest was like, "Oh well, I'm freezing," and um, you know, so I actually had to make sure that there was there was um, uh, I actually had to go bring him a heater. Um, so that he feels a little bit more comfortable. But you have to, uh, I guess, anticipate all sorts of different situations, right? And another another thing is too, um, I I didn't really um, I didn't really think this would be even an issue. But um, again, I, it was all some, something that I learned from as I kind of went on. For my first few guests, they were kind of like they they kind of set the tone for me to okay, I need to actually disclaim. Um, everything. So, for example, I my condo is really close to um, the Wayne Gretzky rooftop patio, um, and during the summer it actually gets pretty loud, right? So, uh, I actually didn't think to put that as a as a little bit of a disclaimer in my listing. However, um, I did get a complaint that you know you should have let us know that it was going to be a little bit noisy. Um, or, for example, there's a lot, there's, there's condos being built uh, all around my my place. So that was another thing that um, if I had if I had disclosed it to my guests in my listing that oh there's there's a little bit of noise, um, you know, like so if you're if you're a light sleeper this may not be the the place for you, uh, whatever. But I always I always come back to them and say hey stay in like the best location of the city. So. I mean, you can't, you have to expect noise, but I, but I learned from, um, a few negative responses and reviews that I need to be very explicit and, and really disclaim everything that, um, good or things that are good or bad. You have to let people know what to expect because it's the worst when they, somebody's, you know, expecting one thing and then they get something totally right. right. And that goes to your ratings and your ratings are so important. Like you said, if, if you get uh, a couple of negative reviews or something that can really affect uh, the occupancy rate on your unit as you're renting it out. 
just in, as we're running out of time here, but as we're wrapping up for the this conversation, it's been great chatting with you, Leon. What any final parting uh, words of advice for the condo investor who is thinking about doing the Airbnb model on their condo? What what uh, any other parting words of advice for them? For sure. So. Definitely, um, you do have to, again, I'll reiterate this because it's so important and you want to make sure that you're not getting into any sort of trouble. Uh, make sure that you're consulting with your agent. Make sure you're consulting uh, with the building management uh, to make sure what their rules are for the minimum rental period. Uh, so, like I said, like if it's, if it's one year, then you have to do it one year. That does not mean you can't list it on Airbnb. Sure, you can list it, but you have to know that it's, it's one year. So somebody has to rent it for a whole year, or if it's six months, same thing. Um, so just be very weary of that. And uh, also know that this model is not for everybody. There's higher risks, um, and you might you, you actually must have kind of a greater risk. Uh, uh, sorry, a greater appetite for risk. Um, so and you must actually be able to deal with um, certain things that come up. So if you have higher vacancies for a few months or um, if you have some demanding guests, you have to be able to uh, kind of work through those issues in a timely manner. Uh, you have false systems, uh, partner with reliable cleaning providers and um, all that so that you can have less hiccups. Make sure you have excellent customer service. Be, be very, very prompt. Um, you know, even I've lost a couple of guests because because they uh, I didn't respond to their inquiry um, in a timely fashion, and they actually, Airbnb notified me that they've already booked with another um, suite because I was a little bit too slow with that. So um, make sure you have extra supplies at all times so that you're not having to, uh, to you know, get them supplies mid-trip. Mid, uh, also, um, let, your, let your clients know of the amenities in the building. Uh, let them know the Wi-Fi passwords. Leave them a little note that give them everything they need to know of the building, where the garbage chute is, um, you know, what, what the passwords are, all that stuff. And, and um, the, your guests will really appreciate it. Even leave some maps for them. I, I know that that's very helpful. Um, give them some restaurant suggestions in the area. That goes a long way as well. Um, also, just even, even when on their way, uh, before they arrive, actually, Send them a little note. Let them know where the location is again. Um, reiterate a few final details. Um, give them, give them kind of. If they're coming from the airport, just let them know different ways they can get to your place. Um, so, and and definitely be very, very specific again. Um, and pre-qualify your guests. That's very, very, very important. Um, that's gonna go a long way if you pre-qualify them. And lastly. Very, very important to consult with your realtor and compare your, your investment options and see if this is a model that you want to go with or, or, or not. So, um, yeah, those are, those are kind of my, my tips. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much, Julian. Um, it's been great chatting with you about your experience with Airbnb. All the best um, with it in the future. And if people want to get a hold of you or talk to you more about uh, this subject, what's the best way for people to reach you? So, yeah, you guys can call me or text me at 647-284-2244, or you can actually email me at info at the six condos.ca.
Thanks so much, Andrew. I really appreciate you having me today. Great. No, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.